Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. One of the reasons that many of us have trouble giving ourselves slack is because of our internalized perfectionism. It's something that controls our workflow and prevents us from ever taking a break because in our head, we know we could be doing more. Even during the writing of this episode, I had to fight off some of this internal perfectionism. This episode wasn't supposed to be entirely about perfectionism, but it turned out it was going to take a lot more than just one section to really tackle the topic. So now what was just going to be a two-part episode on giving yourself some slack is a series. And had I come into this knowing that it was going to be a series, I would have definitely tried to approach it differently. But that's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring the idea of how perfection acts as a coping mechanism, and why that's not a great thing. We'll also be looking at some of the different types of perfectionism, and then we'll be exploring some of the ways that we can start working on conquering our own perfectionism. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash perfectlyimperfect. I'd also like to take a moment to let everyone know about the Hacking Your ADHD Patreon. While the podcast will always remain free for everyone to listen to, it isn't free to produce. If you enjoy the show and would like to help support it financially, here's your chance. There are some great perks. For example, at the $10 level, I'm going to be releasing bonus content every month. This month, I just put up a mini-sode on Simple Rules. These mini-sodes are topics that I'd like to write about, but don't quite warrant a full episode. While I may use some of the same ideas in later episodes, those mini-sodes are going to remain an exclusive to the Patreon. If you'd like to hear this one, just head over to patreon.com slash hackingyouradhd and sign up for the $10 a month tier. All right, keep on listening to find out how you can be perfectly imperfect. One of the first things that we can work on to give ourselves some slack is to address our internalized perfectionism. Perfectionism may seem like a strange bedfellow for ADHD. I mean, lack of attention to detail is a common symptom of ADHD, but really what's often happening is that we're using perfectionism as a coping mechanism for our lack of attention to detail. Throughout our lives, we found ourselves dinged for little issues, and that adds up. For me right now, this is bringing to mind a math class I had. It was fairly typical. Our teacher had us pass our homework to the person next to us to grade. He took us through each problem one by one. Now, in this homework, we were supposed to be using a particular method for solving these problems. If you didn't use that method, half a point off. And additionally, if you didn't circle your answers, also half a point off. When my partner handed back my paper, he just shrugged and said, sorry, man. I hadn't used the right method for any of the problems, and I hadn't circled my answers. So I just got to zero. Didn't matter if I got the right answer. I just hadn't paid attention to those other little details. Even when I went to the teacher after that class, he maintained that the lesson was about using that method and that I needed to learn to circle my answers. So the zero stood. And talk about internalizing perfection there. My lack of attention to the right details made it so that my time doing that homework was worthless. And just think about this. I was probably 11 or 12 when this happened, and yet I can still clearly remember that piece of homework 20 years later. And perfectionism isn't just about having a bad homework experience either. We can also see perfectionism popping up because of lack of awareness of how long we are supposed to be working on a task. Often we mistake the amount of time something should take with how much effort we should be putting in. And this can often mean that I don't know when to quit working on something. Think about how many things you turned in just because you hit a deadline. Maybe you were done with everything you thought you could do, or maybe you just worked for the entire time you had. And think about that. You didn't decide when doing enough was enough. The deadline told you when enough was enough. 
I know I still have a lot of trouble with this idea of knowing when enough is enough. Sure, I put out an episode every week, but that's because I have a deadline of when they need to go up. In my head, I could theoretically keep working on every one of these episodes forever. Or I might think about the research side of these episodes. When have I read enough to know that I'm ready to start writing a script? When have I sufficiently answered the questions I still have? Could I find something that would explain this better? This internalized perfectionism makes it incredibly hard for us to give ourselves slack. Because no matter what I do, I know that I could do more. What we need to do is work on figuring out some ways to combat our own perfectionism. Now, I'm not going to just say, be okay with doing crappy work. It's okay for us to still have high standards for what we do. Instead, what we want to do is work on moving away from perfectionism as a coping mechanism. And the crucial piece of this is understanding that perfectionism is not an effective coping mechanism. Perfectionism allows us to procrastinate more and more as we just allow certain tasks to take more and more time. And it keeps us from ever finishing projects because we don't have a definition of perfectly done. Perfection makes it so that we can never value our work because perfection is an impossible standard. This also leads to real issues with people who tie their identity and self-esteem to their work because if your self-worth is based on what you produce and you're a perfectionist, then we're never going to be able to allow ourselves to have any self-worth. So there are three types of perfectionism. The first is self-oriented perfectionism. And this is what we'd really consider as classic perfectionism, and it's characterized with aspects like striving to be perfect, or needing to always work to our full potential, and saying things like, I set a very high standard for myself, or it makes me uneasy to see errors in my work. I know I can identify with all of those things. Our next type of perfectionism is other-oriented perfectionism. And it's a lot like self-oriented perfectionism, except it's focusing your perfectionism on other people. So you'll have things where you don't want to deal with people who don't strive to be perfect themselves, or you can't stand to see other people making mistakes. Or you might say things like, if I ask someone to do something, I expect it to be done flawlessly. And then our third type of perfectionism is socially prescribed perfectionism, which is kind of like a combination of those first two, where we have that drive to be perfect, but it doesn't come from ourself. Instead, it comes from other people's expectations of you. So this might be something like a kid thinking that he's expected to have perfect grades or thinking that you can't make mistakes at work. And an important consideration for social prescribed perfectionism is that we often just put this social pressure on ourselves without it actually existing. And this is just where we created this idea that this other person or group expects us to be flawless. Although this certainly doesn't mean that we never experience other people expecting perfection out of us. Just back up to the other-oriented perfectionist. Those are the people that often create this socially prescribed perfectionism. All of these forms of perfectionism can create their own problems. And while we often focus only on our own perfectionism, it is easy for us to let our own high standards for ourselves affect how we view other people. So while it may seem harmless at times to have our own high standards, it can be incredibly detrimental to our relationships if we're holding other people to equally unrealistic expectations. And remember, with that socially prescribed perfectionism, it doesn't have to be directly stated. If I'm holding myself to an incredibly high standard, then when I'm working with someone else, that perfectionism might rub off on them. Especially if I'm a manager or a boss, or just have higher status in some fashion, they'll see what I'm doing and feel obligated to put in just as much work, even if that's not what I'm actually asking from them. And of course, we also want to think about the difference between having high standards and being a perfectionist. Because that's the shield that we often go behind to protect our own perfectionism. 
And it's okay to have high standards of excellence. It's a problem, however, when that focus of excellence goes to the extreme that any error in what you produce will ruin the work. If we're turning our nose up at a 98% or finding that we can't find the good in any of our work, that's not great. Perfectionism robs you of feeling satisfaction and pride in your work. Instead of appreciating your work, you only look for the flaws because you know that it isn't perfect. You know that there was a problem somewhere. And even if you didn't screw up, you could have at least done better. You could have adjusted the kerning just a little more in that poster, then it would have really shined. But no, you just didn't have enough time to fix the typeset, and so now the poster is ruined. And I know I had this reinforced to me with the phrase, how you do anything is how you do everything. Well, let's think about that, because what I've come to realize is that I had just been misinterpreting that phrase. I viewed it as meaning that if I don't work hard at the small things, I'm also not going to work hard at the big things. That everything deserves my attention equally. But with ADHD, I also know that I only have so much attention to go around. I can't put the same amount of effort into everything. I make a pretty good podcast. Okay, just a quick sidebar here. I want to acknowledge that saying that phrase is difficult for me. And I also appreciate that I can even compliment my own work now. That's a big step out of perfectionism for me. Because while I know that it's good, I also know there's so much more I could do. And that's okay. I can produce good work and still get better. I'm always going to be growing. Anyways, back to what I was saying. I make a pretty good podcast, but it doesn't mean I put the same amount of work into everything I do. It's okay for me to be focusing more of my attention on the podcast than, say, how organized I keep my desk. And it's actually really important that I keep my focus on the things that really matter instead of nitpicking on the things that don't. Overcoming perfectionism isn't easy. In fact, I don't refer to myself as a former perfectionist. I'm just a perfectionist in recovery. I know that I'm still going to have perfectionist tendencies regardless of the work I've put in. I'm still going to have times where I find myself focusing on the smallest detail because I know I can make something just that much better. Part of the reason for this distinction is that it helps me recognize that there isn't going to be just one thing I do that flips the switch and I'm no longer a perfectionist. And this helps when I read advice online that says things like, set more realistic expectations, or enjoy the process. And I read that and I'm just like, wow, that's a great idea. I never thought about how I should just not be a perfectionist. Thanks, I'm cured. (sighs) To be honest, a lot of online advice can be like that. And the problem is that kind of advice doesn't give any practical tips on how to do those things. Sure, it probably would help if I lowered my expectations. But living most of my life as a perfectionist means that that's something that's going to be very hard to change. Even when I try to lower my expectations, it's hard for me not to try and dream bigger about what it could be. Or I might know that I should enjoy the process more, but that doesn't help me when my brain continually focuses on what the outcome is going to be. We've already taken a bit of a look at our first step, which is acknowledging the problems with perfectionism. This is a crucial step. I know when I was younger, I viewed my perfectionism as a virtue. It meant that I was only ever going to be producing the best work, despite the reality of what my grades really were. Even now, with everything I know about perfectionism, I find myself battling with the idea that lowering my standards might be a good thing. But let's look at this in the light of diminishing returns. Whenever we put effort into something, we expect some sort of return on that investment. Let's say I'm cleaning my kitchen counters. I can clear everything off the counters and wipe them down, and then they're essentially clean but I could also decide that they need to be steam cleaned. The question is, how much cleaner are they going to get as I clean more and more? And to top it off, 
To get to that next level of clean, I'm just going to have to put in more and more effort. We see diminishing returns in everything that we do. While our initial investment of effort produces good results, we eventually reach a point where putting in more effort yields less and less. The problem that we have with perfectionism is that we have trouble stopping when we reach a point of good enough. We see that we could still put in that extra effort and still get a tiny sliver of results. The problem with devoting so much time and energy to one thing is that we're preventing ourselves from using that effort elsewhere. So we're squandering that energy and only getting worse results. We only have so much time and energy to put into our day, and perfectionism makes it hard for us to allocate that wisely. Our next step here is going to be pretty uncomfortable, and it's what I call practicing imperfection, which to all the perfectionists listening is just as awful as it sounds. It's about doing things wrong purposely. Yeah, just saying that absolutely raises my anxiety levels. But because I've been practicing it, a lot less than it used to. Now, first things first, this is not about just doing crappy work and calling it a day. Nor am I going to ask you to do this on important stuff. I don't think anyone is going to be helped out by purposely putting errors into their tax forms. What this is, is like exposure therapy. What I want you to do is pick something small that isn't going to matter and allow yourself to revel in the glory of doing it imperfectly. One of the first places I added this into my life was with my plates. For our wedding, my wife and I got some great Fiesta Wear plates in two shades of blue. So we have dark blue plates, and then we have lighter, more teal-like plates. In my mind, when we put those plates away, the dark blue plates get stacked with the dark blue plates, and the light blue plates are put with the light blue plates. Nice and organized. And so to practice in perfection, I said, okay, we don't have to do that. We can mix them together. Which is something my wife wanted to do from the beginning. It was just my neuroses that was keeping them separated. So let me tell you, when I started this practice, I hated it. It was awful, because in my mind, when I was putting away the dishes, I was doing it wrong. But now, I'm pretty okay with it. Although, funnily enough, sometimes when you're putting the plates away, they'll get mixed just right so they're separated again, and I have to take a deep breath and say, that's okay too. My imperfect practice can also be imperfect. I also extended this practice of imperfection into my journaling, where I purposely switch colors of the pen I'm writing with day to day. Because in my mind, when I'm journaling, all had to be in one color. Lo and behold, I found that I actually enjoyed my journaling practice more now because it doesn't matter what type of pen I'm writing with. Honestly, that was something that just didn't matter. And this practice has helped spread imperfection into the rest of my life. In a good way, of course. It makes it easier for my brain to acknowledge that the rigid rules that I set up in my head might not matter quite as much as I thought they did. It helps me weigh that cost-benefit ratio of adding more effort to something. And it has helped me accept that I don't really need to sweat the small stuff. So experiment with this idea and try to find something that you can try and practice your own imperfections with. Maybe it's not correcting typos in text messages, or not proofreading your status updates on Facebook. Just something small that won't have real consequences. We want something easy enough that you'll actually start up the practice. A final idea I'm going to leave you with is refocusing on how you ask for feedback. One of the problems that we often have when we ask for feedback on something is that we're not clear about the kind of feedback that we're looking for. When we're not clear, we usually get the wrong feedback, which then reinforces our own perfectionist tendencies. Because if we're looking for feedback about the structure of our project and someone comes back with a list of typos, then we're going to get it into our heads that we need to focus on that. Instead, we can take a 30-90 approach to asking for feedback. So the idea here is that when we're at 90% in a project, we're asking for things like those typos, flubs, and other small mistakes. When we're at 90% done, unless things have gone critically wrong, we're not looking to change the structure of what we put together. 
And so that also means we want to have a feedback stage at like 30% where we're asking for those structural things, asking, are we even approaching this project in the right way? And then at that point, fixing typos and small mistakes doesn't make sense because there's still so much that can change. This is a great strategy to use when you're working with other people or have a manager because it helps keep everyone on the same page and it helps keep you from feeling like you have to make everything perfect before you ask for feedback. If you're waiting for feedback until you're at 100% done, then you're always going to be disappointed with whatever the feedback is because in your head, it was already supposed to be at 100% and any feedback is going to indicate that you still have to do more. Well, unless you did it perfectly, right? Remember, good is the enemy of great, but perfect is the enemy of everything. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, many of us with ADHD have picked up perfectionism as a coping mechanism to try and deal with mistakes that have come from us having ADHD. However, perfectionism is a maladaptive coping mechanism that often leads to more problems than it solves. Two, there are three types of perfectionism, self-oriented perfectionism, other-oriented perfectionism, and socially prescribed perfectionism. Three, the first step in dealing with our perfectionism is understanding that our perfectionist expectations are unrealistic and that having those unrealistic expectations is unhealthy. If we can relax those standards, we will often save time, effort, and stress. Four, practice imperfection by choosing small tasks that you can be imperfect at, such as using multiple colored pens without a pattern, not correcting typos in texts to friends, or even something like wearing mismatched socks. I mean, as long as they're the same kind. Because I just mean two socks with different colors or patterns. Not like wearing one wool sock and one cotton sock. I'm not a monster. 5. Look for feedback before you're 100% done with a project. Try out asking for feedback at 30 and 90%, and be sure to be specific about the type of feedback you're looking for at each point. Alright, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HackingYourADHD. If you've got questions for me, I've also got a new system set up to take them. Just head over to hackingyouradhd.com contact and click the orange button. It'll let you record your question, and if I can, I'll answer it on the show. If you want to support the show, be sure to leave a review on your podcast player or share this episode. You can also check out my Patreon at patreon.com hackingyouradhd. If you're this far into the end of the show, you might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan Show, ADHD Essentials. I also do a live Q&A with Eric and Brendan every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to ADHDRewired.com events. And now for your moment of dad. I've been playing a bit of Among Us this week, so of course I had to go with, what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. <laughs> <laughs>